Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Um, this series on voices because mothers have like that that internal intuition, right? It just it's like uh, my mom was telling me last night that. I don't necessarily believe this, but she says that every time that her mom, uh, every time as a mom that her kids get um, pregnant, she gets a mole on her hand. And uh, again, that's more like witchcraft stuff, but, (laughs) um, and she, but she was just saying, uh, I just know when my kids are going through something because of this or that. And even with, uh, you know, with my life, there's times where I feel like, um, my sister, when she was a mom, there's, she called and said, I feel like something's going on with, with so-and-so. I don't know what it is, but I just feel it. And it's just something about motherhood. There's like this internal instinct that's developed once you become a mom, uh, especially when it's your own kids, right? And um, today, we're, we're, uh, the title of today's message is Behind Me, Satan. Perfect Mother's Day message. <laughs> Behind Me, Satan. And we're, we're continuing our series over voices. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Are you able to discern between God's voice and the devil's? Are you able to discern between God's voice and the devil's? And when we're trying to discern between the difference of our voice, God's, and the devil's, I want to uh, share this verse in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 21 through 22. It says, My child, don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on to them, for they will refresh your soul. They're like jewels on a necklace. And discernment, when you look at the definition, discernment is a perception in the absence of judgment. It's, it almost means like being able to feel the, what's true even when you can't logically prove it. Um, another, uh, another definition is the ability to judge well. And so the whole idea of discernment is just like an inward knowing of truth. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And what's so difficult about discernment is knowing whether that truth you feel is accurate or not. I shared last week about... Um, how often we believe something so strongly. Like if you ever lose your keys before and you go around and you, you tell everybody, I left my keys right here. Who took them? Who took them? And you go around accusing everybody because you know that you left your keys there. And then when you just, just for giggles, you go and check your pants pocket from the day before and you find your keys there. And it's like a moment where you knew so 100% what was true and you found out you were wrong. That's what's scary about discernment is when you believe something to be true and the possibility of it being wrong. And now when we look at the engaging it on a spiritual level, when we think that we're hearing from God, but is it possible to really just be our own thoughts or our own feelings? When we think that we're hearing from God, but is it possible that that is actually the devil? You ever seen those old cartoons with the little angel and the devil on the shoulder? And they're trying to decide which one to listen to. The only difference for us today is that we don't see which one's wearing an angel costume and a devil costume. <laughs> we, have to, we have to discern 
which one is which. And I want to start off with a short story. And our first point is the deceptive heart. You know that Disney always says, follow your heart, right? Well, the Bible says that your heart is extremely wicked and deceitful. <laughs> and that's, a, that's such a, a profound thing to say because we always feel like we're supposed to just do what feels good. We, we believe that we're just supposed to follow where our heart is leading. But sometimes our heart leads us down wrong paths. How many times have we made horrible decisions because it felt good at the moment? How many of us have made horrible decisions because we felt like that was what we were supposed to do, but then we realized that was not what I was supposed to do? In Matthew chapter 16, verse 21 through 23, we're going to look at Peter for a moment. It says, From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. The old King James says, get behind me, Satan. Sounds even meaner. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view and not from God's. And so let's, let's really break down this idea here. This seems like just a simple part of scripture, but this is a, a beautiful scripture on hearing voices. Because Peter, he goes to Jesus with good intentions. Think about what he's saying to Jesus. He's not saying anything ugly. He's not saying anything bad. In fact, he's trying to encourage Jesus. He's, he's thinking in his head, oh, Jesus is just discouraged because none of the other priests are supporting him. He's just like, man, he's really down. He thinks that they're going to just kill him. And he's just, have you ever had someone talking so negatively? They're, they're down and discouraged like, hey, man, it's going to be okay. Don't worry about that. That's what Peter's doing here. And he, but he takes him away to the side and say, you can't be talking like that. You're, you're, the, you're supposed to be the teacher and you're, you're setting a bad example of, of negativity to all of us. You need to be more positive. You need to give a more positive message about yourself, etc., etc. And see, Peter, he thought that he was acting on behalf of God. He thought that he was being used by God at this moment. That God gave him a message that the father gave him a message to encourage his son. And what Jesus says is that that message you're trying to give me is not from God. He says, first, that that message was inspired by the devil. And then he says, you're only thinking from a human point of view. So Peter was literally thinking that he was talking on behalf of God, that he heard God's voice and he was acting on it. But in fact, it was a mixture of only his own pride and thoughts and the devil's leading. That's a scary thing, right? But then it makes a lot more sense when we look at how many people have been hurt by church, right? <laughs> now it makes a lot more sense. But when we look in depth about what, what is going on, Peter was not in a position to say what he said. When he took Jesus aside to reprimand him, 
even though it was encouraging, he was saying it in a way where the roles in their positions were flipped as if Peter was the teacher and Jesus was the student. If you ever had kids or parents, Mother's Day is a, is a perfect day for this explanation. Have you ever been a point where, you, where maybe your kids try to tell you how life really is? Or it, uh, if you've ever been a, a child and you're trying to tell your parents how life is really is, and then later in life you realize, oh man, they were right about this. You know, it, it's, a, it's such a perfect example of how sometimes those roles aren't meant to be switched. They are able to, from time to time, it's not an absolute that a student can never say something uh, to the teacher as a lesson. But in this role here, it, it's just not the norm in God's culture. God is so specific about position that even the high priest, when he was condemning Jesus to die, said something prophetically saying uh, something along the lines. When they decided to kill Jesus, they said, it is better for one man to be killed for many. It's better for one man to die for the sake of many to live. And they're saying that, man, Jesus is so powerful in his messages that the people are going to start a riot. They think that he's the Messiah, the coming king. And so they're going to they're going to have an uprising in Rome and we're going to Rome is going to counteract and they're going to destroy the temple. So it's better for us to just kill Jesus so the people won't believe that the Messiah has come. And see, it was such a wrong, it was, he was so inaccurate. But even when he said that, he was spe- it's, the Bible says that he was speaking prophetically that God was using him because of his position. And so all that to show that when it comes to hearing God's voice and trying to distinguish what you're listening to, what you're hearing, what you're feeling led to do, look at, the, for the sake of Peter's example, look at the position. Are you in the position to speak to that person's life? Are you in the position uh, to, to go and tell this person so-and-so? Y'all get what I'm trying to say? If you're, imagine a wife and you feel a word for somebody else's husband. You think that's like a, an appropriate position to go and tell that husband, hey, I need to speak to you privately. Let's go and close this door. I have a word for you that's going to encourage your spirit. Do you think that's really appropriate? As a, do you think the, the, that man's wife would agree with that? No, right? See, that would be a person that's not in the right position. That, that kind of desire would be mixed with their own desires. And the same way with uh, this, this scenario with Peter being the student and Jesus being the teacher. I don't know how many times from when I was a youth pastor to now where people who just barely start coming to church, kids and adults, and after a couple services, they come up to me and they'll say something like, hey, you know, um, I would actually really like to share a message. And I'm just like, well, that's great. If God wants that, he'd give you the microphone. <laughs> Whenever that time comes, God will give you the position for that. <laughs> You, you just got here. <laughs> Say, let, why don't you receive something for a little bit? And you, you may not be the person to be giving it out all the time. And, and even at times we're just having church, even plans that we have for the church. When we t- changed our name to Gravetop Church, 
I had family members and other people that knew me that don't even go to church, period, let alone our church, that were messaging me and calling me saying, you shouldn't do this for the church. You should not change the name for the church. You, you need to do this. You need to do that. People want more of this, not of that. You're doing it wrong. And see, they're not in the position to tell me how to lead the church that God put me in charge of. Y'all dig what I'm saying? But oftentimes people think that they're helping you, that they're, you even yourself think that you're helping others when it's not even your position to do so. Y'all feel that? It, the other thing about Peter is that he was speaking out of pride disguised with concern. You know, even looking back at that scenario with a, a woman telling a, a, another woman's husband something that she had a word from God to tell him about. See, it, it, that kind of pride can, is often disguised with concern. And, and we often disguise weird intentions with really spiritual uh, expressions. Often, every time that I've seen a scenario like that, because I'm giving you guys really common scenarios. There's a lot of, wi- uh, a lot of wives mad at some ladies because the, the, a single lady did that with their husband. And what, what's weird about it is that there's actually like this disguise. Uh, there's, deep down, there's like this attraction to that man. There's an there's a underlying um, affirmation in this spiritual flirtation. Y'all dig what I'm saying? But it's disguised as, I just want to help you because God is using me to do this. There's, there's so many stories that I've heard of young girls saying, God gave me a dream and the pastor's son is actually supposed to be my future husband. And the, the pastor's son is like, I never got that dream. <laughs> and see, it sounds so spiritual, but it's really that all of that spiritual expression is, is disguising that, that pride and that secret intention. Y'all get that? And that's what Peter is doing. Right before this scenario, Jesus asked them, who do you guys say that I am? And Peter was the one that stood up and said, you're the Messiah, the son of God, the one we've been waiting for. And, and Jesus totally affirms Peter and says, that's right, Peter. And God showed you this and no one else can take that away from you. you this, this thing that you said is going to be the cornerstone of my church, that Jesus is, is the Messiah. And and he just got super affirmed. He's all built up. He's like, yeah, yeah, what are you other disciples doing? And I'm, Jesus just you know, said how great I am. And then it goes to this part of the scripture where he says, all right, now that you guys understand I'm the Messiah, let me tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to die at the cross, but three days I'm going to raise from the dead. And Peter's like, oh, no, look, Jesus, I, look, I know how things are. I mean, you told me, right? You told me I know how things are. And so he's super built up in pride at this moment. And it's so easy for us to think like that. And, it, and what's the, the last thing about Peter is that he perceived incorrectly which voice he was hearing. He perceived incorrectly which voice he was hearing. That's what discernment is. Understanding what voices you're listening to. And it's so much easier to believe that all the voices you're hearing are from God when you have a lot of pride in your heart. Because pride says, I'm great, I'm awesome, me and God are like this. 
Humility says is the, is the example that Jesus gives of the two different people that go into the temple to pray. He says one's a Pharisee and saying, God, I thank you that I fast twice a week. I thank you that I tithe uh, every, all of my income. And I thank you most of all that I'm not like this sinner over here. And then that tax collecting sinner was raising his hands up to God, not even looking his face to him because he was so ashamed of his sin and was beating his chest saying, God, have mercy on me because I'm a sinner. See, humility says, man, I'm nothing. Pride says, man, I got something. And when we are when we're so built up with pride, it, we just believe that everything we're getting is from God. Every thought that we have is God told me this. God told me that. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And, and so understanding now how easy it is to perceive the voices incorrectly in our lives. I want us to go into this next point, which is having a clear head. Someone point out your head and say clear head. Yeah, there you go. Having a clear head. Now, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 46. And this is in the NIV, and it says, The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. This is Paul talking about, um, he's giving an illustration of Adam being the first son of God and Jesus being the main son, son of God. And he gives this illustration how everything is done in the natural first and then the spiritual. There's so much Bible, uh, biblical context talking about the natural first and the spiritual second. Even said, Paul even gives an analogy that our earthly lives here, that our bodies are like seeds that die in this world. And that we die in our, in our weakness and it seems like this is it. Seeds, they seem like little pebbles, but when you put them in the ground, the moment that they die, they give birth to something so much greater than it was expected in the potential of that little seed. And in the same way, our earthly bodies seem so weak and fragile and almost meaningless. But once we are put in the ground after death, we give birth to the spiritual life that is so much more glorious than was expected. And so all of that is, is an analogy um, of how God's way of working is the natural first and the spiritual second. And so when it comes to trying to understand God's voice in your life, when, it, when you're trying to understand God's leading and direction and you're hearing things and you, you, you're, you're almost at a point where you're feeling confused of, is this God? Is this just me? Everyone's thought that before. And for me, this, this verse, I, I first heard this in, when I went to Bible school, and I thought this was the most profound thing I heard, is whenever you're trying to measure something, look at it in the natural first and then spiritual. When you do it the other way around, it's just really weird. If you've ever been, had a weird Christian around and everything is just super spiritual, it's like they get a flat tire and it's like, this is just God moving. I know it. It's like, no, son, like you didn't replace your tire for, it, it's just you, your tires were bald. You, that's, not, that's not God moving or the devil attacking you. That's just something natural. And we often try to just jump the gun in spiritual stuff when oftentimes it is something natural first. And so this idea that God told me, God told me, that's the most famous quote, God told me. Famous last words, God told me. 
We, we should not assume that every positive sounding thought you get is a voice from God. Not every positive sounding thought you get is the voice of God speaking to you. God has given you his spirit and likeness. And it's okay for you to have your own thoughts. I, I think that the reason Christians have made this idea that, well, that's all God. Anything good I do, is that's, that was God. Like, yeah, God is working in your life. But it's this idea like, I don't want to take any honor away from God. I don't want to take any glory away from God. So anything good about me is from God. And that's a really good, like, that's really good to have in your heart. To know that God is doing a work in you. But it doesn't mean you have to be so afraid or timid to just allow credit to be taken. When it's, it, it, and if you really think about it, it's when you, start, when you start saying that every thought is from God, it's, it ends up becoming much more prideful in, in painting this picture that you're just so spiritual that God is just constantly speaking to you. It ends up making you more prideful than simply just saying, oh, thanks. I, I did take some time to think about that. I, I thought about that when I was praying rather than like God spoke to me that in prayer. You know what I'm saying? It, it's amazing that we can, be in, we can be praying about something and we can go from thinking about what we're going to eat from lunch for lunch to something that's like, you know, oh, I should, uh, I should do this for that person. And there's times where God leads you, God will lead you to do that in prayer. But you, you don't always have to just make it weird by saying, God told me this. God told me this. God told me this. You dig what I'm saying, guys? Um, and when you are getting a word from God, God speaks to our heart and confirms through events and scripture. It's not the other way around. A lot of times we try to read a Bible verse and we try to get that, that promise in that, in that scripture and apply it to our life. It's like uh, you can read a, I, I remember doing this when, uh, if you've ever read the, the book of Solomon, or not the book of Solomon, the story of Solomon in second, uh, in, uh, I think it, start, it starts in first Kings, but it's a part where God tells Solomon, what is it that you want me to do for you? Uh, uh, he's pretty much like, it's like this genie moment. And Solomon says, God, give me wisdom because I don't, uh, I don't know how I'm going to be able to lead your people. And it's a very humble thing to ask rather than ask. God says, since you didn't ask for riches or for power, but simply for wisdom to lead my people right, I'm going to give you all three of those. And it was, it's like just a, like an amazing moment for Solomon and that's a, for me, I remember when I first read that, I was like, well, shoot, God, I want that too. <laughs> and I remember reading and I, I said, well, God, if I had the same kind of choice, I, I want to I wanna ask you for wisdom too. I, I ask you for wisdom. And now look, I like to think of myself as a smart guy, but <laughs> I, I believe that the wisdom I do have is from God, but I'm giving this as an example that oftentimes we look at a random story in scripture and we take it as a promise for us today. Y'all get what I mean? You can look at um, a, a promise uh, where God tells somebody, I'm going to give you all the riches of the land. And you read that and like, that's for me. I'm, God, that's my promise. I claim it. And see, that, that's not really a word for you. That's a word that you read about and you're trying to take it for yourself. 
the, it, it doesn't necessarily work like that. When God gives you a word, a real word that he's leading you and guiding you, he's going to put it in your heart first. You shouldn't read it and be like, oh, I like that idea, and then take it for yourself. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an idea of, of moving. When, when God put it in our, on our hearts to start a church and move back to San Antonio, we had no intention of moving prior. We, we, didn't, we had no thought of moving back to San Antonio. But God put that in our hearts, and we prayed about it, and we started praying for God to confirm what he put in our hearts. Then we had some events that happened. I was like, man, it's like, like the events were like we heard a message and it was like the whole message is about um, like moving on God's word. Like, but it was like so specific in the term of moving and, and being led by God. And then we it's like all of a sudden our next day of scripture is talking about how Abraham left his home and moved here. And see, this, the scripture was confirming the word in our heart. Y'all get that? And, it, and that's really how a word from God operates. And so when you're trying to distinguish when you're receiving a word, um, some things that help distinguish whether this is from God or the devil or just yourself, some questions like to ask yourself. Again, this is, not, this is just to help guide you. This isn't like a... Write this down, step one, step two, step three. This is just a general guide to help in, your, in, in trying to distinguish. One, is it biblical? God, God would not tell me that he has called me to... <laughs> I, I don't believe that God would call me to go to strip clubs to minister to the strippers there at the word of God. <laughs> that... That would be an inappropriate scenario for me. It would seem unbiblical even for me as a man to go in a place of so much lust to try to witness there. Y'all dig what I'm saying? Uh, it, God would not uh, call me to start drug dealing. I feel just led that I should start drug dealing. Like that I'm going to minister to those people on dope. God would not use something illegal to, it, it's not biblical for him to lead us to do something illegal like that. Y'all get it? So number one, is it biblical? Is it biblical? Another one is, is it honoring to God? Do you feel like that? What he's speaking to you, what he's telling you to do, is it honoring to God or is it more so honoring to you? Is it honoring to God or is it more so honoring to you? I had uh, youth, young people are so funny. I had a student one time tell me, I want to be an NBA player. I didn't have the heart to tell him that I stink at basketball and I could probably beat him. But he said, I want to be a professional NBA player because he had this. A lot of young people have this idea of money and fame and just doing what they love to do for fun. And but he said, but now that I'm Christian, all that's changed. Now, God really spoke to my heart. I want to be a Christian NBA player. And he's like, that way I can, I, I can share God's message to people when I'm famous. And see, it's more so honoring to that person than it is so honoring to God. But he believed that God spoke to him. A lot of the things that we want to do are simply that, things that we want to do. And just, it, it is okay to just be, to have a desire of your heart. God wants to answer the desires of your heart. But it doesn't mean that you should just say that everything is God. Y'all dig that? 
Um, does, does, it conf- does it confuse or does it give clarity? Do you feel like you don't know what to do now or do you have a better idea what to do now? Does it cause division or unity, especially in the church? Does it cause division or unity in the church? A lot of times people will feel like they have a word from God within a church. Like imagine us grow to a good sized church and then a random person rises up and says, I feel like God has led me to take half of the church people so that we can start our own church on the east side instead of the west side. See, that, that causes division in the church that was already established. But it, it seems good, like starting a church, but it's causing division instead of unity. Y'all dig that? Um, it, here's a really, it sounds overly simple, but here's a question. Are you sure that is not something that you simply want? Like that story of that young girl that, that had the dream about that, the pastor's son and that God was telling her to marry him, that that's, his fu- that's her future husband. Are you sure that's just not what you want? Because our hearts are deceitful. And if it is something that you just simply want, you don't have to be ashamed of that. Y'all dig that? It's better for you to just claim that as your own thoughts, your own intention, your own heart, rather than trying to claim God told me this. Because remember, there's a lot of people hurt in church because people were speaking to them on behalf of God when it was really just themselves. Y'all feel that? Sometimes you can receive a word that God is really speaking to you. And there's a lot of times where people get a word like that and they feel like, man, this, I need to share this with everybody. There's been times where even during a message, people say, I, I need to share something. And it, oftentimes, God, God does work in order. When, he, when Paul te- is teaching the early churches, that's a part where he says God is a God of order in church. He's not a God of confusion. And so there's, he literally says there's nobody in the room that God just succumbs, overcomes, to where they will not have the ability to stop themselves from sharing a word that he's speaking to them. He says that nobody should just be jumping up and saying, I have a word from God, that they have the ability to contain themselves. And no one should be saying, I just can't keep it in anymore. I just got to share it. And it interrupts the whole service to do it. But it says that they can keep their mouths shut and wait till afterwards. (laughs) See, sometimes you actually are receiving a word, but that word might be for you, not for everybody around you. It is the best thing to do is look first at yourself of how that word needs to be applied rather than assuming it's for your spouse or assuming it's for the people you live with, assuming that's for the person that you don't like. First, apply it to yourself and God will show you and lead you if it's supposed to be for somebody else too. But sometimes when you get that word, just keep it for you and and then sit on it and, and God will let you know whether it's something that you're supposed to share with others or keep to yourself or even keep for a later point in time. There's some things that God put on my heart that I locked away years ago. And even recently, I'm just like, dang, man, I, that was like, I'm so glad I sat on that for so long because now it makes, I had so much time to think about it to where right now it makes sense. And and just going back to, you know, to the thought, 
if God wanted you to share it with the entire church to, to this, an assembly of people, he will give you a microphone to do it. And there's so many, there's so many young aspiring people that desire so badly to share a message and they like literally become these like, like uh, slimy people, like slimy networking people to where they're just trying to network with everybody and try to just befriend everybody so that one day someone's going to be like, man, you're such a nice guy. Like, why don't you come speak for us? And I, I'm a strong believer that God will give you a position, a stage when you're ready for it. If you, if you need a stage to share something, God will give you the point to do it. You don't have to try to take it. God will give it to you. Y'all dig that? And so th- this last idea about having a clear head is I want you to understand that the best way to filter those thoughts to, to distinguish whether something is from God, from your own thoughts, your own pride, your own voice, or the devil is a level of holiness in your life. With, now, keep in mind that I'm not saying there's, we, we, we just simply uh, work and strive and, and we earn God's love through holiness. That's not what I'm saying. Our greatest holiness, the Bible says, is like filthy rags to God. And so there's never a point where we just earn our own purity, that we earn our own grace. It was all given through Jesus on the cross, that we are made holy by his blood. We are made righteous because of Jesus. But... That there is still holiness that we are striving for. There's, there's holiness in the disciplines and standards that we keep for our lives. I remember when, uh, when I first gave my life to Christ and I first stopped cussing. It was like, it was like a, that's a level of holiness where I was like, man, I would read the book of James and it said, does bitter, does bitter waters come out of the same uh, stream as clear waters? Then why is it like that with our lips? And I remember feeling convicted. I was like, man, that's, I want to change the way I talk. And so that even just the way we talk, when you start saying like, ooh, that sounds kind of vulgar, or that sounds bad, or et cetera, th- those are greater levels of holiness that, that you're trying to strive for. Uh, even like when it comes to what kind of movies you watch, there's a time period where I wouldn't even watch a movie that said God's name in vain. I'll turn it off. See that, like those kind of, those kinds of ideas are, are levels of holiness to where you're making a standard for your spiritual purity. It, and it, it, you can go all the way. I'm not going to try to go into detail of different types of holiness. But what I am trying to say is that when you do start raising that standard of holiness in your life, it's a lot easier to tell the difference to what kind of voices you're listening to. It, it, it is so much a better filter into where you know right away, oh, that's this, that's that. And even like pursuing holiness, things like just reading the Bible, that's a level of holiness. Having a, dis- a discipline of reading the Bible. Uh, fasting, that's a level of holiness. Having regular prayer time, that, those are all things of like increasing a standard of holiness in your life. And holiness is, is like a, a standards that we set. They're not... These one-time, you know, one-time wonders where we, you know, like we fasted the first 21 days of the year. That's not, that, I wouldn't say that that's like a standard that we're holy, you know, we've reached that holiness forever. But during that 21 days of fasting, 
man, everyone was hearing from God so clearly, so well, because we had that just pursuit of God and holiness in our lives. And so when you just make an ongoing standard, an ongoing pursuit through little disciplines, it gives you a better filter. And, and the, the, the one word that I want you to, to take away from, from today is there, just like we talked about how there's a natural first and then the spiritual, there, in Scripture, there's a word called Rama, like a Rama word from God. It means to have a revelation from God. And there's, there's teaching and then there's a rhema word. And a rhema word is like a prophetic speaking of God to your heart, to your soul. And you can clearly tell the difference because when it's, a, when it's just a teaching, you're just like, wow, I feel like very, you know, I feel a lot more intellectual on the subject. I didn't know that before. But when you hear a rhema word, it's like, oh my gosh, like my heart burns. My, I feel my heart twisting from, from what I just learned, what I just heard. And that's that prophetic word that God is speaking to you. And it is such an amazing thing to experience when you hear those revelation moments from God. And uh, they they happen at church, they happen at home, but it's something to, to desire. It's something to find. And even just seeking it in scripture, you, God will show you a, a basic scripture and he will show you a rhema word to where you never saw it like that before. And finally, I want us to just talk real quick about free will. Someone say free will. In Joshua chapter 7, verse 10 through 13, one, this is another one of my favorite scriptures of the Bible. This is right after um, Joshua was leading the people of Israel. Joshua had succeeded, um, succeeded uh, Moses and is now leading the people. And they went to go attack Ai. They had, just, they had just defeated Jericho. And at Jericho, they weren't supposed to take any, any of the plunder. It was all supposed to be an offering to God. And now the spot is Ai. They're going up and they send some people there and they were defeated. And over 30, uh, I think it was 37 soldiers were killed as they were running away. And so Joshua is on his face praying to God saying, and he, it's this long prayer. They're saying, oh God, we're going to be defeated against all these people. We came out of Egypt and now we're going to be destroyed. Well, why have you left us? And it's just like this big sobby prayer that he's making and saying, woe is us, God, please have mercy on us, etc., etc." And then it says, but the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now, Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. Get up! Command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, Hidden among you, O Israel, are things set apart for the Lord. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things among you. The reason I love this verse so much is we often have this idea that we're just supposed to always just be praying and asking God's direction on every little thing in our lives. And yes, we do need to pray more. Prayer is the most talked about thing and most neglected thing in church. 
But here God is saying, what are you doing lying on the floor like that? Just go and do what I already told you to do. And oftentimes we start praying about things that, are, that God already told us about. We're praying for God's direction when he already gave us direction. Here they're saying, God, why are we defeated? He said, I already told you not to take anything from Jericho and y'all took something from Jericho. Settle it and you can move on. Why do you need to ask me about something I already told you? It, it, it is such an amazing thing that God is literally telling Joshua, what are you doing? Just go and do something. Do something. Why are you just laying here and waiting when you could be acting? And it's, it's funny how we pray as Christians. Have you noticed that we often pray uh, for things that, that are already true? We, it's almost like we pray for things that we know are already going to happen. Have you ever, let me ask you this. Have you ever prayed for food and said, God, let this be nourishing to our bodies? That, that's something that we don't need to pray for food to be nourishing to our bodies. It just is. <laughs> Think about that. That's like me saying, God, thank you for today. Let gravity keep us to the earth. <laughs> Y'all get what I'm saying? We, we so often pray just mindlessly things that are already just existing. And God is saying, why are you, why are you even asking about that? It's like me saying, God... Help me to understand what I need to be holy in my life. God's like, open that. Uh, you know what you need to be holy. You know what you need to cut out of your life. You know what you need to do already. See how he's talking to the people here? He's saying, you already know what to do. Why are you asking me? I already told you once. How many times do you want me to tell you the same thing? <laughs> exactly. Mom, Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> See, it, God is just telling us, we have the free will to do something about some things. And there's some things in our life. It's like if when we're praying, God, get, get me a job, get me a job, get me a job. If we don't go apply at any places, we're not going to get a job, are we? And there's so many times we're asking for things that God says, hey, man, you got you got legs, your legs broken or something. And there's some things that we just need to go out and do, but we are, we use prayer as an excuse to do nothing. We use prayer as an excuse to do nothing. And there, there's some things that God has just given us free will about. For example, when it comes to who you want to marry, young people all the time are like praying so fervently God, send me the right one. Send me the right one. Then when they're with somebody, they're like, God, is this the right one? <laughs> is this the right one? You know, me and my wife did something so stupid. We fasted talking to each other for seven days. No communication at all because we wanted to hear from God clearly if we were the ones for each other or not. I remember it was the worst seven days ever. And I remember thinking like, I didn't hear anything from God. <laughs> She must not be the one. But as soon as we started talking to each other again, I was like, hey, this feels good. <laughs> she must be the one. <laughs> and see, we, there's times where it, God just gives you the free will. If you're within a parameter that God has given for your life, if you're within a parameter of holiness, for example, if, you, if you're in this parameter where you're trying, to, you're trying to do your best and you're trying to walk towards God, 
like you have a lot of free will within that. You have everything short of sin in this world to, to act on and to do and to move. And you, God's not going to always like baby you every little detail. He, he wants you to, he, didn't God create us in his own image? That means that he created us with the, with the same creativity that he has. And so we're, we are able to make some decisions with God's leading, yes, but the Holy Spirit is, is living inside of us. And if, if, we, if you just pray about something, pray for God's leading and all that, but when there's a time to act, you don't always have to wait for God to come down in a cloud and say, Behold, here's the answer. You will win at Uno. <laughs> it, it, we, we pray about some stupid stuff, guys. <laughs> And sometimes God is just saying, hey, just draw the cards. Just, just keep going. And closing on this note, I said something that, that I think is very critical in our churches today. That prayer is not an excuse to do nothing. Do you know that there's people that pray about whether or not they're ready to get serious with God? Say, God, I don't know if I'm ready. Just help me to know if... If this is the time that's ready for me to get serious with you. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. See, that's, that's an example that we don't always have to, we don't have to pray about common sense. We, we should always pray for discernment. Yeah. But for common sense, there's things where God says, man, I already wrote it down for you. You can have this the, it, on your phone instantly. And there's so much direction that he's already given for your life but you're, you're still waiting for your fourth confirmation, your fifth confirmation. I barely married Lauren because she was waiting for so many confirmations. I told her, God, I'm ready, girl. I was ready before you got here. <laughs> and she's like, I just want to, I'm waiting for another confirmation. I'm like, dang, how many do you need? Like, uh, one for each dozen of roses I've given you, girl, come on. <laughs> See, that, there's times where God's given you, is one confirmation enough? Is two? Why do we need four, five, six for, for us to finally act on something that God has already told us? I want us to all bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're here today, and maybe the step that you need to make in your free will is to make a step towards God. And if, if that's you and you need to give your life to Christ, to commit to him today, and you haven't done that before, I want you to just raise your hand with every eye closed and head bowed. Amen. And if you need to pray this with us as a reaffirmation of your faith, maybe you, you know that you have that relationship with Christ, but you've been distant. You've been praying gravity in your life and you need to just start getting serious with God. I want you to pray this prayer too as a reaffirmation of your faith. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my heart to you. Help me to hear the voices clearly. And most of all, make me sensitive to yours. I want you to be the Lord of my life and the Savior to my soul. Because I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins and that he rose from the dead. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. 
And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.